Hello and welcome to the Loki podcast, a podcast in which I talk about Loki. I'm Annie, your host, and today we're going to be talking about the second episode of the Loki TV series. So just as a quick recap of last episode and what I said about it, I essentially talked about how Loki's character was completely broken down in the first episode. Loki is forced to question this whole idea of himself as a predestined king, and that one day he will achieve that goal. Obviously, we know that's not true, and Loki finds out that's not true by seeing himself die on screen. That leaves both us as the audience, and also Loki himself, in a position of knowing what Loki is not, but not really having looked at what Loki actually is. And so we're now at a logical point to take a closer look at Loki's character, have a look at what makes him tick in Mobius's words. And because this is the TV show that it is, we're not just bringing the one Loki in for questioning. We also established at the end of last episode that the big bad seemingly was also Loki. And I will be taking a closer look at that big reveal at the end of episode two, in just a second. But first, I want to talk about the fact that we have Loki as both the hero and the villain of this story. And that's something that we've seen done with this character before. As I mentioned way back in episode two, I think, this kind of double hero-villain narrative structure allows us to have a really close look at the duality, the kind of moral duality of Loki's character but made very, very literal. They're literally two different characters. And so this is a lovely little plot device that lets us see that internal conflict within Loki played out in very narrative terms. Literally, the bad Loki comes and beats the shit out of the good Loki. I'm very aware that that is a complete oversimplification and that neither Loki is entirely good or bad. As Loki says in the TV show itself, no one bad is ever truly bad, but no one good is ever really truly good either. So we are in incredibly murky moral waters, but the point essentially stands that there's a Loki that we're mostly rooting for, and there's a Loki who kind of needs to be stopped. Of course, the dangerous variant Loki of the Loki TV show is very different from the King Loki of Agent of Asgard, but this sort of plot device casts a similar light on the character of Loki himself. It gives us a standard by which we can judge our protagonist, Loki. And one of the biggest things that comes out of this comparison is that, again, as Mobius said, our protagonist, Loki, is just a little pussycat. In the rocks cut part of the episode, Loki is essentially mocked for being a weak version of the dangerous variant Loki. And the variant also tells our Loki that, if anything, you are me. Which basically just leaves our protagonist Loki as a cheap knockoff. But even as a cheap knockoff, Loki is still viewed as dangerous. Judge Renslayer is clearly not happy with him just running about the place like that. And Hunter B-15 confiscates Loki's knives literally the second that Mobius gives them to him. Even if Loki is just a little pussycat, it's clear that the TVA don't want to take any chances with him. 
And aside from the big bad Loki variant, we do actually see other Lokis in this episode as well. Before Mobius, Loki, and the Minutemen head into the 1985 Renaissance Fair time branch, there's this little briefing where we get to see multiple different variants of Loki. There's a frost giant variant of Loki, there's a Loki who is seemingly competing in the Olympics or something, a hulked out Loki, a, I, I don't even know what the fourth one is, a stoner Loki. And then the final Loki variant we see is actually a fun little Easter egg because this feral moss covered Loki also appears in the Mighty Thor number three, notably in a panel where we also see multiple different Lokis. In fact, multiple Lokis at the same time is kind of a trope in itself at this point. We also see it in Young Avengers when Loki transforms from his child form to his kind of teenage form. But aside from just providing something for Loki fans to endlessly analyse until we get the next episode, this little scene also comments on what Loki is essentially. You know, what makes Loki a Loki? And in this scene, Mobius mentions that there's a lot of Loki variants running around. They've already had to prune a whole bunch of other Lokis, and they're also not entirely sure which Loki is the one that they are currently dealing with. I mean, the TVA must be a very strange working environment in general, but to have Loki just running around the place at this point? Presumably, a number of the TVA workers must have taken out other Loki variants, and now they have a Loki variant just standing there like he's their colleague. And for Loki too, he's standing there in a room full of people who have, to his mind, murdered other versions of himself. I don't know you guys, it just doesn't seem like a very healthy workplace environment. And you know, this is a Loki TV show. We're kind of experiencing these events from Loki's perspective. And so we want to believe Mobius and believe that Loki can change and can be helpful. But I also 100% see why Judge Renslayer has her misgivings about this whole situation especially since protagonist Loki and antagonist Loki are still both essentially Loki. They have more in common than they'd like to think. For a start, it is Loki's unique Loki perspective that gives Mobius and the TVA their first big break in this case. In a moment of boredom-induced inspiration, Loki realizes that the other Loki has been hiding out in apocalypses, which is an absolutely wonderful detail. I just need to take a moment to stop and say how much I love this idea. Because Loki is essentially an apocalyptic figure. In Norse mythology, he's one of the key actors in Ragnarok, the end of the world. But here, our big bad Loki variant isn't causing apocalypses. They're just hiding out in them. It's almost as if the apocalypse is just Loki's natural habitat. And at the same time, our Loki seems similarly chill about experiencing an apocalypse firsthand. Actually, I want to take a moment to appreciate this scene as well, because what are the implications of Loki being able to talk Latin relatively fluently? Like, what is educational Asgard like? And how educated are Asgardians on what's going on in Midgard? Presumably, Vesuvius must have happened before Loki was born. 
And also, Latin is one of the languages that I do. So it was just very exciting to see it thrown into the mix. And it also reminded me that Tom Hiddleston actually studied classics, which I guess is why the pronunciation was pretty decent. Actually, Tom Hiddleston studied classics literally across the road from where I am currently recording this episode. So that's a fun little fact for you guys. But moving on from me being incredibly nerdy about ancient languages, let's talk about the ending of this episode. We finally get to meet the big bad Loki variant, and it's a woman. A blonde woman, to be precise. And as I've seen a number of people point out, this might not actually be a Loki variant. Personally, I favour the interpretation that this is Sylvie Lushton, as we've seen in the casting list and in the credits. Sylvie, of course, being a version of the Enchantress who appears in Dark Reign Young Avengers. And I'm not entirely sure why they've decided to use that version of the Enchantress, apart from the fact that she is literally created by Loki. And that interpretation certainly would make sense. She protests to being referred to as Loki. And Loki himself comments that he wouldn't treat himself like this. And I also just think it would be a very odd choice to give our female-presenting version of Loki blonde hair when Loki just never is blonde. Personally, I also don't really want this to be a so-called Lady Loki. I just find it questionable when this feminine Loki is treated as an entirely different entity to Loki himself, rather than just another aspect of them as a gender-fluid character. But I'm not going to make that judgement yet, because we're still not 100% sure who this character is. And it is entirely possible that this is Loki. For a start, she's wearing horns, which is pretty classic Loki iconography. But then again, in the vote Loki scene that we've only seen in trailers so far, we see a number of different people wearing something approximating Loki's horns. So it doesn't necessarily mean that all these people are Loki. There's also the fact that this Loki variant is identified by their temporal aura. But then again, it does also follow that someone created by this Loki variant might appear the same on the TVA scans. And the same goes for the fact that this character's magic appears green. I think it was Kevin Feige that mentioned that magic within the Marvel Universe is very definitely colour-coded, and green means Loki. But then again, this person may have been created by Loki, and therefore have his power to some extent. But this is all, of course, very speculative. The TV show has not explicitly told us who this is yet, and we won't know any sooner than next week. But I'm going to hazard a guess and say that even if this isn't a Loki variant, there probably is at least one Loki variant lurking on the other side of that time door. So let's talk about that time door, and more importantly, Loki's decision to go through it. This episode, we see Loki cooperating with Mobius and the TVA, and seemingly putting his all into catching this variant. And Loki actually mentions a number of different intentions on his part. He says that he wants to win the trust of the TVA, and Hunter B-15 in particular, though I wouldn't say he seems necessarily very genuine when he says that. And he also expresses a desire to take out the Timekeepers and take over the TVA for himself. Though I don't necessarily think he's entirely genuine in that either. 
In this episode, I got the distinct sense that Loki has some plan that neither the audience nor the TVA have quite cottoned onto yet. Which leads us back to the question, why did Loki go through that time door? I mean, for a start, I would definitely do the same thing. If I saw a different version of me running around, I would definitely have questions that only that other version could answer, presumably. Also, this potential Loki variant clearly knows something, or even a lot of things, that the TVA just don't. But then there's also the fact that Loki looks really pissed off as he watches the TVA approach him and just before he goes through the door. It's definitely possible that that's just residual anger from his previous fight with someone who he thinks is another version of himself. But maybe Loki has figured something out or come across some new information that he's realised the TVA has been hiding from him. I'm not 100% sure on that one, but his face definitely says something's up there. I was also thinking about how, in episode one, Loki essentially says that the only person you can trust is yourself. Which, you know, is a great little slogan. Mobius suggests putting it on a t-shirt. But that notion gets a lot more complicated when there's more than one version of yourself running around, and the other versions seem overtly hostile towards you. But even so, maybe even an evil variant Loki is a more knowable enemy than the obliquely bureaucratic TVA. And of course, we won't have any answers until next week, but I do think it's fair to say that there's a lot that Loki just isn't saying. This episode also does a really good job of reconstructing Loki's character after he was so thoroughly deconstructed last time. While Loki's character is fragmented by these various variants that we come across, there are some common threads that begin to emerge. We get this image of Loki as a person who is capable of wreaking havoc on the timeline, is generally very chaotic, and also just likes to hang out in apocalypses. The image we get of Loki is deeply ambivalent. This is not someone who's a hero or a villain. He's an agent of chaos. He's a source of entropy in the universe. And to a highly ordered organization such as the TVA, of course that's going to come across as a bad thing. But I don't think it is entirely negative. In fact, as Loki himself says, things get very boring without a bit of chaos. And I am so excited to see where Loki takes his chaos next. So yes, those are my thoughts on Loki episode 2. If you have any questions or queries or theories of your own, please do get in contact. You can find me at Loki Podcast on Twitter, Tumblr, or Instagram, or email me at thelokipodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really, really do appreciate it, every single listener, genuinely. And hey, I'll see you on Friday for a regular episode of the Loki Podcast. Bye!